Toasties. <laughs> I'm Missy, here with my bestie, Johnsy. Hey, y'all. And welcome to our Toasted Shenanigans. The thing was supposed to do a countdown and went from five to just go. Oh, like, mine didn't. Really? Yeah, I saw the uh, numbers. I maybe didn't you see just, Maybe you just blinked for a really long time. <laughs> Are you guess- stroking out on me? <laughs> oh, gosh. I hope not. That's why I was like... That was weird before I ended. <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, what did she see that was weird? I'm not sure. <laughs> I literally hit the record button, sat back. It was at five. And then all of a sudden it just started recording. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> I was so confused for a second. Anyways, what are you drinking over there? Because you had to already get a refill before we got started. We were having fun. We were having some shenanigans. We're having some some beginning shenanigans, yeah. Uh-huh. I got some like I got some box wine, some of that Boda box. <laughs> Boda box. Yeah, it's their Cabernet. I was gonna get some whiskey and make a hot toddy, especially given our topic tonight. But with the price of groceries, <laughs> and I found this Boda box on clearance for thirteen dollars. I, I love that like, for you. I, I was like, fuck that. that. I'm going to get some wine, though I'll regret it later in the week when I'm like, fuck that. I don't want wine. I want whiskey. <laughs> oh, damn. I should have did the tea idea, too. That would have been funny. What do you got? Mead. One that actually I'm not a big fan of right now. Oh. It's a black currant with black currant and vanilla. So Is like, that the one I like? I think you do like this because I was like drinking. I'm like, this is one Johnsy's gonna like because it's like it's tart. Yeah, my wine of, is very tart and I love it. Kind of, kind of dry, but with a little bit of sweetness to it. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I think this is the one that you liked. It's one of them that we tried it at the the anniversary thing that we went to for Funktastic. Uh, okay, okay. Um, I think it's called High Tide. Is the name of the mead. I'm not a fan of this one, honestly. But I'm drinking it. Honestly, you know what I really wanted? And I was going to pick some up yesterday. It was a Moscato. I miss a good barefoot right now. You I haven't had go- it in a while. I haven't. And I'm really kind of missing it. Because uh, Moscato's not as sweet as some of these meads. And the sweetness of these meads are really actually tra- are, are starting to kind of get to me. Yeah. The, the mead is very sweet. And I am not a sweet person. But this Boda box is pretty good. I had to give it a... Uh, an eight, maybe a nine, because it was on clearance. <laughs> oh yeah, I got it. It deserves the extra point for the clearance sale. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no, this one's like really tart. It's very, very tart. I like tart. I know you do. That's why I think this is the one that you liked. I don't remember though. But like it's making my mouth kind of water at the same time. And I normally drink the mead when I buy them. And the big bottles, like the fancier looking bottles with the cute labels. I normally just drink them straight straight out the bottle instead of getting it into a cup because honestly like by the time you pour it into a cup there's like yeah because the bottles are so thick right it looks like there's a lot more in there than it there is i mean i guess if you do like a normal pour of of what you do for wine there's two servings in there but i pour myself a friend pour and i fill it to the brim so it basically leaves like but a sip or two left in the bottle so i was like you know what screw it i'm gonna save myself the dishes and drink it straight from the bottle. Nothing wrong my with mom, that. My mom asked me, she's like, do you put it in a paper bag too? <laughs> I was like, maybe I will one day. I don't know. <laughs> my hobo juice. <laughs> my hobo juice. I mean, meat is just fermented honey, so don't get much more hobo than that. <laughs> but anyways, I digress. So, how you doing over there? What are we talking about? I'm okay. That's good. I just had a lazy day, kind of. Yeah. Adulting, doing the very minimal adulting stuff and reading some of my spicy book, but. It was cold out today, too. And it's going to be cold tonight. It's getting into the teens. Mm Mm-hmm. And for this area, guys, that's that's cold. That's very cold. Yeah, kids already got a delay for school. Yeah, they got a delay again tomorrow. It's like, I wish I had this when I was going to school. They're like, fuck it. We don't care. I grew up in the Midwest. I don't know what that any of this is. True. Very I had, true. I, I had two snow days my entire life of the Midwest schooling. Two. And I believe that it. was it. <laughs> and that was it. And that was because um I only remember one of them happening, I think. 
uh, that or they're both blended. Like in my memory, they both blend together. Um, but both times it was just because it dumped so much snow that just they couldn't keep up with it when they were cleaning mm-hmm. the roads. And then another time was it dumped a lot of snow and then the temperature like drastically dropped right after. Yeah. So it made it super slick. Yeah. So they just closed school for those. There's only two times that ever in my schooling went to, uh, came here to Virginia though. And I remember the first time snow was falling from the sky. It was like tiniest little flurries and all the kids like ran to the r- the window at school and was like, we're going to get sent home early. And I'm just like laughing. I'm like, what do you mean the fuck you guys are going to send home early? It's flurries. There's nothing there. <laughs> sure shit. We got sent home early. I'm like what the fuck? I was so mind blown. I did not understand. And then my dumbass teen self who, you know, think we know everything as teenagers mm-hmm. V dot came to our school and I was like, "What the hell's your guys' problem with the snow and not knowing how to handle life?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Why don't you get some salt? Just throw them on the ground. Your dirt is causing mud, makes it slicker and more dangerous." Yep. And then I grew up and realized, oh, city budgets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But here we here we are. It's uh freezing cold outside. Uh, snow is not. It there is ice. I don't even call it snow. That's on the ground right now. It's like ice. It's barely anything. It's just cold. Yeah. But anyways, moving along. We're talking about tea today. <laughs> tea. <laughs> We're talking about tea, which is why the hot toddy. And honestly, my tea that I make, because I grow this stuff myself, my lemon balm and whatnot, would have made more sense to even have on here because we're talking about – well, this this episode, I'm going to start here from, from this point, is this episode comes from – uh was that back in like early december late november i sent you that video about it i stumbled across across a content creator and his mm-hmm. name was actually ryan kelly comedy is his name on i don't know if it's on tiktok or instagram or i think it was instagram that you sent it to me yeah but i don't i don't remember exactly if like because you can put like tiktoks on instagram and on facebook so i don't know I where don't know. Exactly it was on it was. the social medias is on social medias. His cre- his content name is Ryan Kelly Comedy. And he has a lot of um, other videos that are more comedy. But he has a few of these videos. And this one particularly really stood out for me. Because um, that made me really want to dig into it. Because it was the... He exposes... Well, lack of a better word. Exposes um, big brands that we know of. He did like, Nintendo and Subaru. And this one is for Celestial Seasonings. Wait, what about Nintendo and Subaru? Are they are they bad? We'll talk about I'll look that. It up. I'll look. It we'll up. talk about that in the end. And once you kind of hear, like, once I get into this, but he 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 kind of brings out some things about these brands and these companies that we all probably have, like I said, in our homes or driveways. Because, like I said, Subaru or even Nintendo. But today's episode is going to be about a brand called Celestial Seasonings, and it's their Sleepy Time Tea. And I'm sure everybody knows about the Sleepy Time Tea. It's the cute little box with the cute little bear. And if you're ever a little sleepy sleep and need a little help sleepy sleep, you make yourself a little bit of that tea. Wait. So is it only the Sleepy Time ones? It's the brand itself. Okay. So not not just that one. It's all of them. Because that's like the only tea I buy. Besides if I'm making sweet tea. Yeah. Am I about to regret that? I'll let you decide. Like I said, mm-hmm. um, this this digging into this, it's if I seem like I'm really jumping around, guys, it was it was kind of hard to put together on this. So in this video, I'm gonna tell you guys a little bit about the video. In the video, he plays two characters, himself and basically like the company. And um he asks the company about um, the tea that they make and asks that, that they don't make anything else weird, do they? And he does this with all the other – in the other videos too. He'd be like, hey, Nintendo, you, you make great mo- great video games. Like, what else do you do? And then all of a sudden they have this like a little dark twisted background. Um, so this one was with the, the tea company. And so he's like, you don't make anything else weird, do you? And then it turns to the company character and he says, no, our cults only make tea. And then it pans back to himself and he's asking them to repeat themselves. And the company's like, tea? And he's like, no, the other thing. And when it pans back to the co- the company, they get excited and they're like, oh, you want to hear about the cult? We have aliens. 
and eugenics, <laughs> which then is followed to explain more of like the details of the cult. So of course I'm like, I need to know more. I need to look into this because like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm down for a good cult. And um, actually, it was really funny too because in the in the video too about tea he's like so why do you make tea and he's like well every good cult likes to make a drink that helps every take a nice long nap and then it pants the, the jim jim jones town like oh i'm like a oh my joke. gosh that's a really bad joke so that i guess of course also made my interest super peaked because you all know how i felt about the jim jones scenario yeah. i got very passionate in toasties if you haven't listened to that one you need to fucking go listen to that one especially now Slacka. especially now so, of course, if you go to the website of Celestial Seasonings, you can find the history of the company, which states in fully, quote, in 1969, one of Celestial Seasonings founders, Mo Siegel, handpicked wild herbs from the Rocky Mountains in Colorado and used them to make our first tea. In following years, he sold um, Mo's 36 and 24 herb teas to health food stores, eventually selling them in hand-sewn muslin bags. It was in those early years that we began creating and defi uh, defining the herbal tea category. By 1972, two of our flagship blends were introduced, Red Zinger and Sleepy Time, which I know a lot of people who loved Red Zinger as well. It was like a raspberry lemon. Mm -hmm. Um these innovative blends and their popularity, Sleepy Time, is the best-selling specialty tea of all time, helped turn our cottage industry into a near-overnight success. Today, Celestial Seasoning serves more than 1.6 billion cups of tea a year. Our product base expanded to include lines of herbal tea, green tea, black tea, wellness tea, and cold brew iced teas. And the ingredients, over a hundred of them, are sourced from our 35 countries. I'm like, though we've grown so much since we first started out picking wild herbs in the Rockies, we are still driven by the same entrepreneurial spirit and passion for making tea that's good for people and the planet. Um, and that's the end quote. So then it, after that, though, if you go into their history, it just goes into like a timeline of milestone moments for the company. Starting with Mo, the co-founder, making the first blend to all the blends they have. So, of course, you're going to go on the website right away. You're not going to find right anything about a cult. You're not going to find no, the, of course you're not, not going to find the story of a cult on their website. But this brand has quite the following. I mean, you said like that's the only one you you buy um, for sleepy. Yeah, I don't I like. There may be one other, and I can't remember the name. I see the packaging. It's got like the black lettering with the gold accents. It's like, I think it starts with a B. Or I could be imagining things. I ignore me. I'm probably dreaming it. It's okay. Um, and there are a few things about this brand, though, that I can see already, though, that would make this make sense of their cult. For one, the word celestial. Celest mm -hmm. Celestial. I'm probably way saying that wrong um by definition celestial means positioned in or relating to the sky or outer space as observed in astronomy second just the time that this brand was started in it was 1969 that in and of its own makes sense that there was a time things were Aliens. just seeming fucked up <laughs> i mean just is the 1960s? Wait, so is this about aliens? Because I love aliens. We haven't done aliens. We haven't. Yet. Stay tuned, guys. Mm. That sounds like a good one. So, of course, like I said, you aren't going to get their cult info on the actual website. So I had to take it further in my investigation. I had to look up Mo, who is the founder. So, mm -hmm. who is Mo? Mo Siegel not only founded um, Celestial Seasonings Inc. For more than 29 years, he was the chairman and president of the largest manufacturer and marketer of specialty teas in North America. He okay. is the owner of Capital Peaks Investment and has served on five public company boards and 17 pub private corporate brand, corporate boards of directors and nonprofit foundations 
such as Whole Foods, Annie's, Himalayan Cataract Project, Choco Love, Haynes Celestial, Boulder Community Hospital, Colorado Impact Fund, and Camelback Corp. Also, he was an avid outdoorsman. Uh, Mo founded America's then largest international bicycle stage race, formerly the Red Zinger Bicycle Classic, and later the Court, which later then turned into the Course Classic from 1975 to 1989. He has also climbed all the Colorado 14ers, and those are all the peaks that are above 14,000 feet elevation. They're called 14ers. Okay. And traveled to 97 countries. And he was quite the entrepreneur and overall seems like a pretty stand-up guy so far, right? So far. Right. Keyword, so far. Right. I gotta know. <laughs> I know. This is gonna be, this is like, this is why I'm like, what the heck? Like, I'm looking this up because, of course, I'm not going to just take what one person says. I'm I'm going to cross-reference. I got to find multiple things that are going to say the same thing before I believe it to be yeah. true. So. I'm the same way. As a child. He grew up in Palmer Lake, Colorado. He loved to wander the Rocky Mountains, foraging wild berries and herbs along the way. Sounds like me. Lucky. Uh, Right. He was passionate about art and actually opened a small art show in the late 1960s and eventually combined his two loves by creating a gallery and a health food store. He was a tea drinker for years and he would serve, as they put it, oriental. And I know that word is offensive. Um, and I don't mean to offend in saying it. It's just how they described it, but it was an oriental herb tea. Oh, fuck off. I know. If you're offended, come on. To customers in a store, he was about 19 when he um, found the tea that we know today. So he was young when he actually made the Sleepy Time tea. 19. Good for 19, him. Right? Still, sounds like a stand-up guy. But again, where did this cult thing come from? Where did this guy on this creating platform get this information from so who started this idea that this stand-up dude and this very well-known company were involved in any cult because that's kind of like slanderous if you if you say if you tell me like if somebody finds out that they're not all cults are bad um this one is eugenics and aliens and aliens are fun (laughs) yes but in the in the if you guys go and listen to the like the tiktok or whatever the real it talks about eugenics and like superior race and how people are organized. By, yeah, that's not cool. By color. Um, so there's red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo. And white people are blue, according to this TikTok guy, because of the color of our eyes. White people, blue eyes, superior race. Um, indigo were the, considered the inferior race and that was representative of black people. I always wonder why blue is not the most rare eye color. No. So why does that make it superior? It had nothing to do with rarity. I think it had to do with a, some sort of weird. But in my head, it, has... it makes sense that if it was more rare, it'd be more superior. Yeah. The, actually, the most rare eye color is green. Correct. Um. So like I said, again, this is a well-known company. Dude sounds pretty stand up to me. Like, So where does this cult thing come into play? So one detail about Mo that isn't very well known is his beliefs. Mo Siegel mm-hmm. and his co-founder John Hay were also associated with Urantia Book Fellowship, which was a new age twist on Seventh Day Adventism, which is mm-hmm. a branch of Protestant Christianity that believes mm-hmm. in the immediate second coming of Christ. And it is based around a 2,097-page tome called Urantia Book, which was published in 1955. And its adherents believe that an unknown man possessed by aliens wrote the book. However, <laughs> sorry, no, I'm I just l- like aliens. Laugh. I mean, this is what. Wait until like, just wait, like. <laughs> Okay. You're going to hear a lot of repetition probably. I'm probably going to end up repeating myself. So if I do, guys, I apologize. Like I said, trying to get some sort of weird thing, get the connections together. My notes on this are kind of – Well, yeah. I'm sure it was hard to find any kind of notes on it because it's still a popular brand to this day. So anything that's out there is going to be pretty hidden. Yes. Yes. So I kind of just ended up starting typing and putting it together as I was getting it. 
Um, so yeah, aliens. <laughs> aliens. <laughs> However, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> However, most I'm done. <laughs> most outsiders <laughs> think it was written by the movement's original leader, who was William Sadler, not Sandler. Sadler. I just really want to put that out there. There is no relation to Adam Sadler. Uh, (laughs) I had to make sure so people don't go like, hey, yo, your great uncle, great grandpa, something. (laughs) No. This is S-A-D, not S-A-N-D. Sadler was a prominent psychiatrist of the late 1800s, early 1900s, who had a very deep racist belief and Mm. actually authored three books on eugenics. Now, I just want to quick, like, I want to give a definition real quick of the word eugenics because, unfortunately, is a tainted word that originally wasn't act- – when you hear the actual definition Her- of correct. eugenics, it's not a bad thing. Um, it's just no. the study of how to arrange reproduction within a human population. Human. Human. I want to really hone in on that. It's very, very vague when you say human population. To increase the occurrence of heritable characteristics regarded as desirable. It was developed largely by Sir Francis Galton, or Galton, as a method of improving the human race. Human. Eugenics was increasingly discredited as unscientific and racially biased during the 20th century, especially after the adoption of its doctrines by the Nazis in order to justify their treatment of Mm -hmm. Jews, disabled people, and other minorities. So eugenics wasn't originally a bad thing. It was was a good thing that turned bad because of bad people. So, but I just wanted to hone that in on, let people know, like, eugenics is not bad. It's just if it's, it could be used in harmful ways. When you specify, because it's, I mean, it says desirable. So when you all of a sudden clarify, like, well, this is what's considered desirable and it's a specific image, then it's bad. Then that's when things get bad. Mm-hmm. Now, for some people with the eugenics, what they wanted to look for is less sickness in people or, mm-hmm. you know, stronger muscle mass in people, things like that, because that was considered a desirable trait to have. Then that's when things are good. So moving along here. It is said that the Urantia book claims that Earth, which is Urantia, was originally inhabited by six races, which was, again, like I said, colors of red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and indigo. And the book very explicitly links the indigo race to black people and presenting them as inferior It then goes on to talk about two fair-skinned aliens named Adam and Eve (laughs) travel to every planet in the universe to mate with superior races and eliminate the rest. It also claimed that Adam and Eve failed and that the adherents not to expect more divine interventions in this regard and to take matters into their own hands. What the fuck? So Mo Siegel claimed that the text guided the way he ran celestial seasonings, saying, huh? I had wanted bold, I found bold, I was searching for the truth, and the book was loaded with it. This was via Inverse, which was um there was actually a very large article in a um in a gosh, what is that called? It's a very large article from a website or thing that's no longer Van Winkles. It was part of Van Winkles. That's uh-huh. no longer there. But Inverse has these, this original article because apparently it was so uh, good and really honed in on a lot of things that kind of this creator was referencing to. So, Urantia okay. <laughs> book. It seems like a religious book. It doesn't need much explanation of what it really is. It's propaganda for eugenics. Its language is only understood by a few as to pretty much disfellowship other religions and do follow theirs. Um, And 
it's been compared a lot, though, unfortunately, to Mein Kampf by Hitler. Oh, shit. both have much to say about whom they regard as socially defective and degenerate. So what's disturbing is that Mo Siegel wrote a glowing review of the Urantia book for a blog, Life-Changing Books, calling it the book that most changed his life and further stated that he felt it filled holes in Christian faith by accounting for years of Jesus's life that are missing from the Bible. So this is when this is when things start okay. to get weird, right? I can already tell they're already weird. I'm lost as fuck, but I'm also still there. Like, I'm not quite sure what's about to happen. I'm trying to hang and on to my britches. Please do hang on to your britches. Because like I said, it does get really confusing. It gets really, because like I said, the this stuff's hidden. It's very hidden. So far, I don't like the direction it's going, but I mean, yeah. I'm here for the ride. So let's So Mo let's is highly, in, Mo is, I'm going to correct that actually. I wrote was, but actually he is, and I'll get into that Highly involved in the Urantia Book Fellowship. Um, he is actually the co-author for their free, uh, fact page uh, for their website. And in it, he writes that, quote, all persons are equal in the sight of God and race should mm-hmm. become irrelevant. But then states, at the present time, man- mankind loses about as much progress as it makes by ignoring eugenics. I mean, I understand right. kind of what he's saying. I mean. Right. Right. Oy. So, again, now Mo is no longer with the company of Celestial Seasoning Tea. However, the Urantia book actually does still leave its mark on the company. As Siegel indicated that the text inspiring and uplifting quotes in the tea bags and the boxes are from the book. No fucking way. That's a form of manipulation, right. sir. So... Again, though, like, (laughs) so then I'm like, what is this book? What does it say and mean and, you know, whatever. So I had to look into the the book because to me reading this again, I'm like, okay, there's, of course, there's some sketch. There's some sketch. Things are weird. Um, But the way he sees it, like you said, like, he's not wrong in being like, He's approaching it with good, which makes me weary. Because if you're like approaching me with good, there's something very horrible. Right. Behind he, it. The, the vibe that I kept getting from all the things I was reading at first is like, is it really that? Is it being misinterpreted? Is something being misinterpreted? Maybe, you know, whatever. I had to dig more. I had to know, okay, so what is this book that they're, they're referencing to that they're mm-hmm. basing this like religion on? And um, the Urantia book was first published in 1955 by an unknown author. Author, however, offer, offer. <laughs> however, Sorry. they have their suspicions. Like I said before, which was William S. Sadler. Uh, it is presented as a spiritual book that presents the origins, histories, and destiny of humanity. And the teachings have concepts of the universe, life, and teachings of Jesus from a Christian perspective and a personal spiritual growth. Again, like, I'm like, okay, that doesn't, sounds like a Bible. Yeah. Not really, but okay. However, the origins are vague and are believed to be written from a celestial beings proving an epical religious revelation. And the book consists of 196 papers divided into four parts. And not pages, papers. So when you think of a paper, like you write a paper for school, there's 196 of them in this book, which then consists of the 2,000, over 2,000 pages. Now, who's William? Because, of course, then I was like, well, now I got to know about William because this is how my brain worked when I was working on this, guys. Because I wasn't getting the vibe of the... I was expecting a fun alien cult here, people. I'm just, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm, a, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. I'm not even gonna lie. But I, I do really like the fact that you're taking me through your breakdown because that's my same exact breakdown, and I can follow you on this. So that I, I yeah, because I'm so like, much. 
because my ADHD brain would have zoned in on one thing and been like, but but what about this? But I'm following your yeah, breakdown. I, ha- I, I really had to like tell that. you. I'm like, okay, so like I'm not getting alien. I'm not getting alien cult here. So I had to figure out like what's the ties? Where is this? Where did this guy get this stuff from? Right. So like I said, that's the book. They have the suspicions of William. Who's William? So quick about William. He and his wife were prominent physicians. Like I said, he was a psychiatrist or a psychologist or something like that in Chicago area in 1911. William was approached by his neighbor with concerns about her husband's sleeping patterns. He would be unable to wake and breathe abnormally. So the Sadlers would investigate the neighbor's sleeping patterns. And over time, the man began to speak in his sleep. However, the voice was not of his own, but believed to be celestial beings channeling through him. Okay, (laughs) I can get behind this. So by 1923, the Sadlers hosted friends and colleagues to weekly theological, physiological discussions. And now this is a time, though, guys, that when technology and culture has really started to take a change. Because we're between the 1980s and World War One, It started to happen. So mm-hmm. this created a new modes of conceptualizing and experiencing concepts of time and space. There was actually a collision of culture and science and the seeing the unseen was starting to happen because of like the invention of the x-ray now has been there. And there was a big popularity in negative space in art. And there was also a growth in spiritualism. So all this is coming together now as a celestial being is talking to, through a dude who probably had sleep apnea. But wait, mm-hmm. serious question. What if all the exorcisms were actually just aliens talking Ooh. through people? I just thought about Yeah, because see, I don't believe that demons possess human bodies in that nature, but I don't know much about aliens. Hmm. That's a put a pin in that that question i'm gonna put a pin in that one okay carrying on (laughs) keep going (laughs) stop (laughs) in these meetings is when william brought up the sleep um patient which in turn sorry he brought up the sleep study and of course this piqued everyone's interests and curiosity so they gathered questions to ask the sleep patient which in turn were answered by the sleep patient The answers received were fully formed explanations of the universe, which were later known as the Urantia Papers. And at this point, the group swore to secrecy, forming a group of 30 people that were the forum. So this is when this group started to form. That they all, (laughs) these people all of a sudden were like, well, you can ask this dude some questions and an alien is speaking through him at night while he's sleeping ask him about this about space and he's like yeah i got you and he's gonna go feel like i've watched him he's gonna go do the sleep study with dude dude he asks him this question that is subconscious and he comes up with some whack-ass answer and he's like here it is guys but we can't tell anybody that's like the most kid thing in the world you know you're doing something bad when you're like don't tell mom and dad though yeah (laughs) So there's this secret group of 30 people, but then there was a smaller group of five, which included Sadler, called the Contact Commission. And that group was responsible of gathering the questions from the forum and pretty much getting the answers from Sleep Dude. The Sleep Dude's name has not ever been mentioned. You cannot find it anywhere, so you won't ever get it. And I'm glad that they did that because that's embarrassing for Dude. Now, it's said that the papers of the book... Um, physically materialized from 1925 until 1935 in a way that was not even understood by the contact commission or the forum. So the group who made the book don't even understand how this worked. Um, The first two parts being completed in 1934 and the third and fourth part being in 1935. The last forum gathering was in 1942 And in 1939, members began to formalize classes to engage in more serious studying of these papers. And its first original class consisted of 70 people, and that was referred to as the 70. 
and it was a predecessor to the school of the Urantia Brotherhood, and that meant for several years. So now, our, now this poor man's sleep apnea is turning into a book that they're <laughs> forming a religion around. What the fuck? <laughs> this is like Scientology. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So by 1950, the group evolved into the Urantia Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization responsible for the papers and spreading of its teachings. The writings were officially published, like I said, in 1955 and even translated into several languages. Yeah. Huh? So if you go to urantiabook.org, it... (laughs) Okay. Well, let me tell you this here. Because I was just, I had, like I said, I was just like, all right. So it says that it was offered and published in 1950. Does it still exist? Because, I mean, I can see even going, because, like, I mean, Jim Jones, after his whole shenanigans and he died with his mass group of people, the, uh, his religion he started eventually died off, right? Yeah. So did this eventually die off or is it still like, you know, a thing? A thing. Yeah. Still active live today. Has a has a whole website. So you Urant- What the fuck? I'm looking at yeah. it. Yeah. Urantiabook.org states that the book is, like I said, it's 297 pages presenting comprehensive answerings, answers to age-old questions about nature and personality of God. And in a nutshell, gives a scientific reason of how God and Jesus is real. It integrates science and philosophy with religion. Some words that are used to explain the book on the website are quite funny, actually, because it states, quote, God's spirit indwells each of us. This book is over 2,000 pages. I said that twice. Sorry. (laughs) Inspiring us with the intelligent advice that we can perceive more clearly as we spiritually grow. This indwelling spirit helps us to build our souls as we face the manifold problems of earth existence. After this life, we continue our spiritual ascent through continual, continued growth until, in a far distant future, our perfect souls find God in person on paradise after which we continue to grow and serve. Like that's on this website, right? So kind of a celestial and wording, as you can tell, they believe in a second coming in my interpretation. Lots of reviews of this book basically say how it helped them connect science and religion together. Um, So I guess this is the way religion was able to get the... But none of it's based on facts. (laughs) What the fuck? So lots of the reviews on this book basically say, like I said, how it connected science and religion together. Almost sounds like it's a Bible, but only of Jesus's life. As another review said, <clears throat> and I had to I had to quote this one. Um, this was an actual review on the book, by the way. I have, and this was like a recent review. So people are <clears throat> still like following this, like yeah, actively. Yeah. So like I know you said it, but like uh-huh. like you're talking about very recent. Uh-huh. So it says, "quote I have to admit that I found this book absolutely beautiful." I know that this isn't the Bible, but the story of Jesus' childhood was so beautiful, and for the first time, it reveals what I've always known about humanity of Jesus. I just feel more connected to him now. And then it like goes on and on and on. But Wait, like, I have a question. With the, is the, the, the tale of G- Jesus as a child, where did they get that information? The aliens told him through the sleep apnea dude. I've got to read this book. <laughs> well, if you give me a minute, I'll tell you a little bit more. I'm not done. Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm putting it down. Right? See, like, I I wanted this to be, like, a funny alien cult thing. So I got into it. I started looking. And I'm like, wait, what? What the fuck like, did I just do? <laughs> what did I just get into? Like, this has nothing to really – I mean, it does have to do with aliens. I believe that Jesus – um, Adam and Eve, obviously, are aliens. Jesus is an alien. Um, all of them are aliens. God has more than one child. Jesus is not his only kid. He had multiple children like Jesus, but in all different universes planted around, right? Okay. And that's where the alien thing comes into play. But yeah, anyways. So where the hell is this cult and what does that have to do with the tea, right? 
Yeah. I mean, that was originally the story it was supposed to be about. You can see how I went down a rabbit hole, guys. And I just, I brought you along on my beautiful rabbit hole. And that's what this episode's going to be about. Um, you either have shut off by now. Uh, and if you did, I'm sorry. If you guys are still here, thanks. Because this was just, it just, weird. It's weird. I, I'm extremely interested. I wouldn't have tuned off by now. I really want to go read the book, but I'm also afraid that I might be brainwashed. So I'm going to let you continue. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I don't know. Maybe you might later. It's 2,000 pages, ma'am. Um, hey, they ain't nothing for me. Like I said, I go through spicy books like nobody's business. This was a lot of digging happening, Toasties. And like I said, I don't just take take the first thing I find. And there was a lot of – so when you Google, like, the cult and the tea thing, you're going to get a lot mm-hmm. of opinion pieces about that. And I was mm-hmm. like, I can't do just opinions. There's no factual. The, they're opinions. And they all said the same thing, basically the kit, the thing that Ryan in his reel said. And I was like, I need something more. I need to know more. Like, I needed to know more. So first, I want to say – that the Urantia Foundation does still exist. They have a website to learn about them and their mission. And you can learn about their mission. They're taking donations. You can find out when classes are going to be available to you. All that classes. Kind of, yeah. To study lessons to learn about the book and their religion. <laughs> On the website, it states, quote, the teachings contained in the Urantia book when embraced in the hearts and minds of mankind, have the power to bring to reality the supernal message from the master. Peace on earth and goodwill among men. End quote. What? Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. That's what it says right on their page. Like, go to the UrantiaFoundation.com or .org or what. Just Google it. It'll. I did. I did. I was on there and I was like reading and then you start talking and I got distracted and I'm going to let you keep going before yeah, so I confuse myself. Again, reminder, Urantia means earth. So now William Sadler was not only a physician, he was a psychiatrist and apparently a very, very racist one to be exact. <gasps> uh, and it was known that he may have used this as a vessel for his racist ideas. Now, it seemed the book and foundation on the website does not, again, portray this. And the text itself is weighed down with some, but the text itself is weighed down with some heavy racist stuff. And again, the website's not going to go into details that it's racist. Just like Celestial Seasonings is not going to go into details that they were part of whatever the fuck this fuckery is. You know? This is is a lot. (laughs) You're telling me. I went, like I said, I was just like, what the hell? So examples of some of the stuff that was in there was starting around 500,000 years ago. Six colored races appeared on Urantia or Earth, which were red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and indigo. It is depicted that the earlier races are somewhat superior to the later. The red man stands far above the indigo. And um, paper 51 states... Each succeeding evolutionary manifestation of a distinct group of mortals represents variations at the expense of the original endowment. Furthermore, the yellow race usually enslaves the green, while the blue man, which again, like I said, corresponds to the white man, subdues the indigo, which is supposed to correspond to the black man. And it goes on and on about how Adam and Eve were sent to each universe to make people better and were depicted as fair-skinned with blue eyes, hence the blue-colored people being white. Not sure the rest. Like I said, you now here's where you get your pen and paper, Johnsy. Okay, you can download the book for free. And read it if you want. I honestly have very little interest um, to give this book. But because the Urantia Foundation asserts that its authorship is superhuman, an Arizona court ruled in what? 1995 that it's not protected by copyright and is thus the public domain. So anybody can add whatever they want the fuck to it. Yes. Yeah, I'll stay out of that hot mess. I don't want to get in besides behind all those people's heads. Yes. So back to the cult. What's the main thing that is said 
that they say is with cults is cults will assure you it's not a cult, right? Well, yeah. The fellowship will tell you that they're not a cult. That's like the first thing they'll say. Like, we're not a cult. But the Urantium book, the revelator named the brilliant evening star of Nebadon calls the Urantians to replace Christianity with the new cult. That's in their writing. And that this, they, this is just too familiar to Scientology. This doesn't sit right with me. And that will be the new, the true religion of the future. The Urantia book itself does not represent a destructive cult. However, some of its self-proclaimed prophets lead groups that can be seen as destructive cults. So, T, Mos Eagle. Back to them real quick. Because, again, I'm getting deep, deep down. I'm like, I'm not seeing anything much about the dude of the, you know, whatever. I'm still confused. So, Mos Eagle, <laughs> the co-founder of Celestial Seasonings, he is still a current, current follower of the Urantia book. Uh-huh. And he states at first, I thought that it was the goofiest thing I've ever heard, but then continues to say, after I read it, I was not concerned about who had written it or how it had been written because it was the book that changed or because it was so powerful. Sorry. It was so powerful. And Mo Siegel wrote in his book um, called You Got to Read This Book, 55 People Tell the Story of the book that changed their life. So there's a book about 55 people who talk about their experience of reading this book. And he wrote his excerpt in there. He is also the author of the facts page on their website for the Urantia Foundation. He is also their current president and he hosts weekly study groups at his home. Um, but he discovered this book, this, the Urantian book, the same year he started Celestial Seasonings. And because of the book, he felt he would feel selfish and wasteful to simply focus on material success. So as a young man, he tried to figure out how to make a living, and that's when he turned to the health food industry. Mo and the other co-founder, John, used the book as a guide principle and continually quoted from this book for their company, and it was stated that they would use these quotes for arguments or to establish the values to lay out the groundwork of their company. Now, when you hear about some of the racism and the eugenics and it being misinterpreted very wrongly, that is concerning when it comes yeah, to the company. Keep... Yeah. Now, like I said, the book has some pretty damning stuff in there, taking talking quite a bit about eugenics and ridding the world of ill and sick people. That was one of the biggest things, kind of like Nazis. Um, and if you are sick, you must be tainted by other colors and so on and so forth. Um, mm. It even goes to talk about, quote, biologic reno renovations of the racial stocks the selective elimination of inferior human strands. And that is actually in paper seven. Um, overall, like I said, multiple places that I did see is that this, this book was very, very, very heavily compared to Hitler's Mein Kampf. Um, it sounds like it. And it was even quoted, the demand that defective people be prevented from propagating equally defective offsprings represents the most human act of mankind. But William was not the only problem. He did write three different books um, about eugenics and how he was just a very racist person. He was influenced by, ironically, the name was called Kellogg. Uh, he was inspired by the Kellogg and the three books were called long heads and round heads or what's the matter with Germany. And that was published in 1918. The second book was racial decantance 
an examination of the cause of racial degeneration in the United States. That was published in 1922. And his second or his third book was The Truth About Hereditary. And that was in 1927. And ironically enough, the Urantia book echoes the ideas presented in these books. And in some cases, it reproduces the text word for word. So there was a lot of times that he used a lot of similar words in his three books in the Urantia book. However, there's unfortunately a lot of people who still believe that that was an alien. And that's where there's a problem. If they can find some proof that they're seeing that this man is linked to this book, but you still have a group of people who are convinced, no, 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 no. It was an alien telling us about God. That's a problem. And Mo was part of that problem and then went and started a company. In Racial Decantance, Sadler expressed, among other notions, that the unfit should be sterilized, that mortality is hereditary, and that some races are more moral than others. And in The Truth About Hereditary, Sadler writes that marriage between races, quote, is to be deplored when one of the races would be inferior as compared with the others, which happens to be the biologic fact as concerns with white and Negro races in this country, end quote. Bro was racist. Whoa. Bro bro was racist. Now, oh, Kellogg, John, John Kellogg is his full name. That is where William got his, a lot of his inspiration from. And he, uh, his wife, Lena, actually was John Kellogg's niece. I don't so wait. know if there's connections with Kellogg and okay, the cereal. I, was about to ask. I knew you were. I don't know. I didn't mm. go into that part. I'm I didn't want to buy in this. I'm not buying <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm not reading that fucking book. <laughs> um but she too had equal damning words. And uh hold on, I need to sit. My throat's getting dry. Hold on. Mine too. I'm over here like coughing. Mm-hmm. Sorry, y'all. So um, in a paper called Is the Abnormal to Become Normal, which I don't like how that's worded. I was about to say, that just sat with me very, very That normal. one really sat with me very, very weird. And I don't know if it's because of the whole like mental health epidemic we live in or whatever, but she wrote that um, and she delivered it to the Illinois Federation of Women's Clubs in 1932 and published in a collection called A Decade of Progress in Eugenics. She calls for the mandatory sterilization law and says that if we do not practice good eugenics, ultimately this monster will grow to such hideous proportions that it will strike us down. So again, they're taking eugenics and horribly, horribly using it. They're just as bad as what that fucking, what what was his name? Dr. Uh, what's his name? I don't know. Mangella or something. Oh, the God. German doctor. Well, yeah, you know, the Nazis in general. Yeah. So wasn't he the one that was testing the twins or something like that? Yeah, no. he's doing a bunch of whole fucking stupid shit with all that. I don't know. She said she felt that if we practice eugenics correctly, she continues, we will eliminate at least 90% of crime, insanity, feeble-mindedness, moronism, and abnormal sexuality, not to mention other forms of defectiveness and degeneracy. Thus, within a century, our asylums, prisons, and state hospitals would be largely emptied of their present victims of human woe and misery. Um, I think she's the issue. I think both of them are the fucking issues. Have they have they not done a study on the white male? Because <laughs> if you did, you'd notice it's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the sex crimes and all that. You know. All the shoes, school shootings, it's always the same yeah. 15-year-old kid that's a white boy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, evidently, the, but the guns are the problem. It'd be a sa- safer place. Okay. <laughs> hmm So, <sighs> you know. Delusion must be nice. All right. <clears throat> you know, you. so all of these things, you know, Lena's speech was written nearly 100 years ago. William's stuff was like almost 100 years ago. 
maybe things may have changed, you know, in the Urantia book as um I highly doubt it. Yeah, no, it didn't. Unfortunately, it did not. So yeah, illness and disease results so. from evil and causes suffering. And that was written by Mo Siegel. Um, and he has that in the 20 most asked questions on the Arantia Book Fellowship website. So if you want to know these, he wrote that. He has written mm-hmm. the stuff on there. And he has also has, un- quote, unfortunately, several factors hinder progress towards the development of a disease-free world. The laws of genetics are immutable and form the physical cornerstone of evolution. At the present time, mankind loses about as much progress as it is making ignoring eugenics. Here's the thing. He found this book and then went to go start a health food store. That tea wasn't good. I've been doing so much digging. Our food is poisoning us. You all know this already. Our food's killing us. The food we eat today is killing us. Grow your own if you can. If you can't, I'm I'm sorry. Do the best you can. <laughs> Do what you can. I mean, obviously, still eat. Don't don't starve yourself, guys. That's gonna kill yourself as well. But he read this book and then went and started a health food store because illness is considered in his book. Illness is a damning thing. And what's a better way to help with illness is create health. So Bros Bro believed in the crap from the start when he started that company. And mm-hmm. John was as well. He was no innocent man. Now, um man, I love that tea. He is no neither one of them are no longer part of that company. They left a while ago. I'm sure they're still stockholders, which means if I buy it, they profit. That I can't prove. Um John is not actually. Mo, I believe is. Well, yeah, cuz I just rattled that off. Mo, I believe is. Um the fellowship is putting his money where his mouth is, too. And in 2010, um, emails sent to readers with advanced information and forward-looking perspectives that are not suited for being posted on the website. They were asking for people about eugenics and wanting to participate in some things. Um, and unfortunately, one of the biggest names that was on there was a man named Kermit Anderson. And he, at that time, it was a big genetic screening program director at Kaiser Permanent in California and is the author of much genetic research. And this was in 2010, guys, that this email was sent out. Mm. Now, little information on the panel and their current activities can be found and... There's been a lot of attempts to uh, reach out to Mo and the Urantian Fellowship, but everybody's quiet. No shit. (laughs) So where does this leave Celestial Seasoning originally back to the original topic that we were trying to talk about? The company does decline to comment on the piece and what this means with the Urantian book thing. Which means they still agree with it. Because why would they just come out and say that they don't? I have no idea. But um, they're trying to see if guides its business decisions. They think the person that I got a lot of this information from who did a lot of good research, they don't think that's the case. Siegel, he retired in 2002. So he hasn't been part of the company for well over 20 years. And John, he actually was more kind of kicked out back in the 80s, actually, because Siegel wanted to become big like Coca-Cola, whereas John wanted to stay small and local. Mm. So as Siegel pushed to be more and more and more, to get bigger and bigger and bigger, it kind of pushed John out. So he he left well before Mo Siegel left, um, which ironically enough, Mo Siegel got his wish. Since 2000, the company has been part of the Haines Celestial Group, which is a massive multi-billion dollar corporation that also includes Arrowhead Mills, Maranatha, Spectrum Nationals, and Jason Celeste and Jason. It's just Jason. Um, so Celestial pretty much invented an entire category that we now take for granted as a national health food. It was one of the first ones. During the time there wasn't a health food store are healthy no. people weren't big tea drinkers in general that wasn't even a big thing in the time that that came out and uh, celestial seasonings did um help br- put that kind of on the map for us to have um 
But now it is, you know, like I said, one of the biggest sells billions of tea a year. And like I said, that cute little teddy bear. And everybody's at least had that box in their house once. Um, I've got a couple of them. I gotta go clean. Them. <laughs> but uh, there is a dark history. Megan Giller, she's the one who did a very intensive detail on the actual connections of these things. And that was where it appeared at the Van Wrinkles. But unfortunately, that is no longer a publication. So Inverse got the article. They have the actual original copy of this article and they have it to share. Um, so, yeah, it's um, Whoa. not. Well, thanks for destroying one of my favorite teas. Hey, that means you just got to drink mine. I know. Very true. I still drink yours. I, but- I've bought them before. I've never actually been a fan of their tea. Um, I bought the sleep. I did buy the sleepy time one. I think I got like their vanilla sleepy time one. I was trying to help my kids sleep. It didn't work. And I was like, fuck this box of jokes. Um, they have a menthol one for sore throats that I swear by. Like it is so good when you have a sore throat. And then they have another one that's like full of vitamin C and whatnot. And it's like all orangey floral amazingness that I absolutely love. And now you've just destroyed it for me. I will have to just, just drink your shit. Keep your tea because honestly, like someone one time, so total random, Poppy Soda is, it's called Poppy. Who? It's a new soda that's kind of taken shelves up by storm. Um, let, let me, let me, let me, double, okay. let me double check before I actually go blame them things. I don't drink a whole lot of soda, so. I don't either, but I want to first. And if I do, it's Dr. Pepper because that's the best and y'all can fight me on that. Sorry, guys. Bear with me. Okay. That's where I was. Okay. It's Poppy Soda. I just had to double check my facts before I go throwing some names out like this. Poppy Soda um, is a prebiotic, probiotic soda that's hitting the shelves a lot. I see a lot of kids are drinking it. No, oh, it's the Poppy. Pop. It's just P-O-P-P-I. That- Poppy. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, hitting the shelves. Everybody's drinking it. Loving it. And I found out that a certain uh, celebrity called Ashton Kutcher it was very heavily involved with that brand. He's a huge investor in it. As most people know, he is not very well liked at the moment for his standing up for a certain assault person. Uh, so we were talking about that at my work, and I'm seeing everybody drinking. I'm like, you do know that like Ashton Kutcher is heavily involved in that brand, right? And they're like, oh, no, like I can't have this now. And one of the girls in the back room was like, you know, if you actually sat down and listened and did the investigations of each brand out there, you would buy nothing. Yeah, you're totally all right because everybody at that level is extremely they're all tainted they're all trash they all are heavily garbaged i mean there's a guy on tiktok i cannot remember his name he goes down the aisles of certain brands to tell you who owns what and BlackRock owns most of it and that is actually you guys want to sit there and go on about elon musk being a billionaire and you know mark zuckerberg BlackRock has elon musk has pennies compared to BlackRock and that whole company. That man is a gajillionaire because he owns everything and you don't even know his face. That is a true elite, but you give him money every day. Your celestial tea you bought, though it's tainted with a little bit of racist aliens, you bought it already. They got the money. Drink your tea. It's not going to change it, but no. But does need to be taken off the shelves. a lot of things that need to be taken off the shelves. A lot. Yeah. What happened? The world is full of corrupt people. Um, <sighs> ironically read enough, awful things to people. Elon Musk. I read. I was watching a video of. Uh, he said it the best: is the indoctrination is starting in the schools, and nobody knows it's happening. Oh no, we know it's happening. It's just that we are yes, called out. Those as who call being it out crazy. are being called crazy. But he was talking about it and how the indoctrination of schools is getting out of hand. You ask somebody who the first president in the United States is. It's George Washington. Fucking a. And he's like, okay, well, tell me something about George Washington. <laughs> well, he was a slave owner, and that's it. That's all they get told. They're not learning anything, though it's not wrong. Maybe. I don't know anymore. Honestly, I don't know anything that was taught in school and what was real and what was not. I unfortunately do my own digging, and look what I found. I went down a super rabbit hole of the fact that T did not have rainbow aliens like I was hoping. No, oh. but it had a dark side. Yeah. It did. It did. Wow. That, that was, was a doozy. That was a doozy. Thank you for being here for my TED Talk. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and my stumbling ass words. 
Holy shit. <laughs> Keeping oh, the yeah. asylum will. clip forever. Yeah, well, he'll <laughs> just like throw it in my face every once in a while. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. I'm glad well, you did. You. And I'm, I enjoyed I'm, that. Toasties, I'm sorry. Like I said, if you're still here as of right now, like you're a true MVP, man. Because that I, I got myself confused as I was typing this up because I'm just like, well, wait, what about this? And what does this mean for this? And how was I was trying? Yeah, but you talked. Yeah, I had it, I had so to we got it. I had to learn. Right? I, we got how it. do you he seemed like such a stand up dude. You know, he was heavily involved in so much great things. I'm like, something's something's missing. So then I was like, just because they look great to the public oh, eye does not familiar. mean that they are. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the world is corrupted with a ton of tainted people and there's nothing we can do about it basically accept it at this point and try to make the best of it and stand together our ground and keep moving forward and keep you know believing in the best and hope that we can overcome the don't fall for the shit do your own research just because tiktok told you so doesn't make it real facebook live or it's real is not an actual thing just so you all know everything could be altered everything can be tweaked and photoshop is big in all aspects dig don't listen to just one side Mm -hmm. check both because like i said if i would have went based off of just what ryan kelly although his his videos are hilarious and i advise you guys go check them out um but if you went based off of just like just the one thing like i said he kind of made it be like okay rainbows and aliens it was a lot darker do your research it's fun it's rabbit holes of funness but yeah Thank you for being here, guys. Thank you for listening. We are going to mm-hmm. go now as we try to decompress mm-hmm. from that whirlwind of doozies. Make sure you guys like and follow and subscribe and find us on all the social medias. And yeah, leave a and review. Leave a Tell review. us what you guys want. Tell us what you think. And if you guys are also on the social medias, you'll know about our upcoming um, live that we're going to be doing. We haven't picked a specific date yet, but we really want to get out there. We want to talk to you guys because we want to hear from you, Toasties. We want you all to be a part of this journey with us and what you guys want to know. Bring in the, the shenanigans. <laughs> but yeah. But until next time, guys, have a great night. Bye. Bye.